Welcome to the centenary episode of my podcast. Now for today's show, I decided to invite back a previous guest. Now in the following episode, Mark Cobbs is actually going to be interviewing me. Now the reason for this is that after a decade of growing social attraction, with my recent rebrand and moving more towards self-development, I thought it'd be a great time just to draw a line in the sand to discuss the last decade of my life, some of my favorite moments and my biggest learning lessons. And also just to discuss what my plans are moving forward with the podcast and also with social attraction. So I hope you enjoy the episode. It's lovely to be here with you again, Gary, and thank you for the opportunity of interviewing you. I'm absolutely delighted to have you here. Uh, it's quite inspiring, actually, to have someone like yourself interviewing me, so I'm keen to hear what type of questions you've got for me today. Okay, well, th- you know, this interview is getting to know Gary Gunn. I mean, this is an education in Gary Gunn, okay. and I think it's a very interesting point of your life where we can delve a little bit deeper about what you really feel about things. I mean, one thing I do know about you, Gary, you've been very successful over the last decade, Um, you've almost become a mentor for people. And I'd like to start with that, really. Mm. Um, Mentorship, what do you mean by being a mentor for people? It's a really good question, actually, because when I first thought about mentorship, um, for me, it was something that you do as you enter into your later years. And actually, it's not really. I mean, the more I coach, the more I recognise that you become a mentor to people when you're actually a role model. So when you're conducting your life in a specific way and people see what you're doing, they see the results that you're getting, you're really mentoring them straight away. And whether that's paid or unpaid, it doesn't really make a difference. Yeah. You are, you are a mentor, role model, they're all important. Yeah, I understand. I mean, in fact, they, you, they could be synonyms, couldn't they? Role model, mentor. But there is a difference. I mean, let's go into you, Gary, a little bit more. Um, becoming a mentor in your adult life to, to many, many people. Who was your mentor? Who are your role models? Good question. (laughs) So for me, this kind of goes back to after my car accident. Um, So I had a car accident. I wanted to be a professional sportsman. And my life kind of fell into a bit of depression. Um, I had post-traumatic stress from the car accident. And I I had no goals, no vision of what I wanted to be. I was a bit of a wreck. Um, And someone recommended a book that I read. Um, It's called Think and Grow Rich. Um, I read it. It's it's one of these inspiring books that in the self-development world gets mentioned everywhere. Um, you hear it a lot and I was like, okay, I'll give it a read. And it's the first time I'd read written words by someone who had become successful in their life. And they put, their, they put their thoughts down on paper. And what that meant for me personally was that I didn't have to wait. I wasn't ringing someone up to meet them, to ask them their advice. I didn't really have access to good mentors or people that, that knew what they were talking about. But what I realized very, very quickly is that in books... You have people that have written stuff down, some of it like thousands of years old, where they've lived lives and sorry, and, and where they've lived their lives, they've put pen to paper mm. and it resonated with me. That's, that's, that's very interesting because obviously when I asked the question, I thought you, you, you were going to talk about a physical presence of a person. And I do know you read and to actually say that a book, the words written down by somebody is becomes a role model for you. That's yeah. a very interesting take on that. Um, I mean, I know... You, you talked about that particular book, but I know you've read many. Mm. Can you give us an idea of what other books that mm. you've read that have inspired you or become your role model? And that's the interesting point. Yeah, I'm heavily into Stoic philosophy. So that was kind of 
created around the Roman times, around, around sorry, yeah, about 2,000 years ago. So uh, around like Seneca, Epictetus, Marcus yes. Aurelius, these are like the founders of the Stoic philosophy. It's very similar philosophy to Buddhism. Uh, Buddhism's more taking yourself away from the stresses in the world, whereas Stoicism's about being in the midst of everything that's going wrong, but, but being the calm in the storm. And one of the books that I read that really made a profound difference to my life uh, was on the shortness of life by a philosopher called Seneca. And this book just, it completely changed the way I looked at the world. Um, just little bits of wisdom, such as, you know, living in daytime compartments. You know, you've got yes. from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. And that is a mini life. That's one day where you've got, you can give your all. Um, you know, just little things like don't waste time on the wrong type of people. It talks about toxic people. Talking about, um, yeah, just a general philosophy for life. And I was ready to listen to it. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think often you can read literature, and I've certainly done this, and I'm not ready for it. Mm. And then five, six years later, something triggers you and you're like, hang on a minute. I've read something about this before. And you go back and that's when you need it. Yeah. And I think this is a mistake a lot of people make in reading. They, they read a book. And the, the advice isn't applicable to them at where they're at in that stage of their life. But actually, I think that's quite short-sighted because actually when you're reading literature, it can be relevant to you in 10, 15, or even six months' time. So I think there's always an open-mindedness to when I'm reading, which has really helped me along the way. Yeah, I mean, you you know, I completely understand you there. Um, but I want to delve a little bit deeper. You mentioned the word the Stoic philosophy. Yeah. Um, I understand what you're saying and where it comes from. Um, but you mentioned their Buddhism. To mm. me, as a layman... Buddhism is about meditation, isn't it? Mm. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, meditation, role model, reading. Mm -hmm. Is reading some type of meditation, Gary? It can be. Of course it can. I think for me, um, the interesting thing about Buddhism or the, the most, the thing that people conceive about Buddhism, and I'd like to say I'm not an expert in Buddhism. I've practiced meditation for 10 years. I've read many books. Um, I've not been away on, on any kind of retreat. But for me, the meditation where you sit down and you calm your mind and you relax doesn't really work for me. And I've, I've tried this for many years. For me, the type of meditation that works is an active meditation. And that can be reading a book. It can be going hiking. It can be going running. Um, I'll talk about it. Yeah, I'll share um, something that I do, which is extremely powerful in my life. So one of the meditative practices I used to do Say, for example, I'm having a conversation with you yeah. and there's an argument and I have an emotional reaction to that. Now, for me, any time I have an emotional reaction, I want to work on that so that I'm more stoic and calm the next time that happens. So I spent 18 months to two years of my life, every single day, whenever I had emotional reaction, I'd go and I'd do a meditation. I'd give the emotion a color and I'd let it f flow through my body until it turns white. Now, when this works well, it is transformational so you literally can go into the same situation no emotional response do that for a year and a half you're a completely different person and what i found by doing it was that that energy because it's really an energy that would calm me down the energy would go white and i'd feel calmer but then i tried running uh, sorry i went to let me start again i tried the same technique when i was running and what i found is that if you can transmute the same energy when you're running what it does, it actually works on two goals simultaneously. So you take the emotional trauma from your past or whatever emotional reaction it is, and when you go running, you bring up that feeling. And what it does, if you think about that feeling long enough, it starts to energize your body. Mm. And all of a sudden, you are running or sprinting, and you're just using this energy 
to just get into better shape. Yeah. And over over since I've been doing that, I mean, I've that's been quite a recent one over the last year, eighteen months. And um, if anyone looks at my older video content, mm. you'll see that my my physical condition mm. is the best it's been since well, in the last ten years. Yeah. I mean, just to you know, go on on that. Would you say that what you're talking about is a universal approach for everybody? No, absolutely not. I think that one of the things that I've learned over the years is that I've basically gone out and tried as many different tools and techniques as I can in any area of my life. And what I found is what works for me. And I think that helps you as a coach because when you realize, when you realize that actually that approach worked for me when I was at that stage of my life, but actually now I'm a bit further on in my journey, that doesn't work for me anymore. Now, what that doesn't mean is it's not going to work for everyone. So I think that these, I think people that, people that write down information or people that create content generally, they're doing it because it's work for them. Yes. And just because it doesn't work for you now doesn't mean it doesn't work for anyone else. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these books and and what you're talking about, you're almost uh, creating your own philosophy from reading um, trying techniques to make you feel better. You mentioned about your car crash. Um, you, 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 you mentioned the word depression. Would you say that what you did and the reading of books created your own philosophy or is your philosophy on life based on other people's words? I mean, do you understand what I'm trying to get at? Have I you, do, yeah. Have, have you manifested your own philosophy? It's a good question. I think whether we're aware of it or not, we all have our own philosophy at this stage of our life it's what helps us to make decisions for me personally um reading was a coping strategy it was a coping mechanism so i was in a bad place emotionally uh i didn't know how to cope i mean i had you know i was a sports star or potentially wanting to be a professional sports star i was in great physical condition i was strong i was physical i was up for it and i had a goal i had a dream of what i wanted now the car accident not only wrecked my um physical body, like my arm, my shoulders, everything like that, nerve damage. But emotionally, I had post-traumatic stress for maybe seven or eight years where I'd have nightmares and I was just a complete and utter mess. Now, mm. what reading did for me, it enabled me to listen to positive words, regardless of whether actually they impacted my life or not. They impacted me because I was reading positive literature every night. And that's become a bit of a coping mechanism for me in my life. If I'm, if I'm ever struggling, I know now because, I don't know, say I've read a I don't know, say roughly 500 books, say. I know that if I'm feeling a certain way, I know what book I can read that yes. inspires me, allows me to relax and just takes the edge off. Yes, no, yeah. I completely understand. And, you know, the, the reading of the books, understanding the literature, um, taking the words to help you in your personal um, situation at the time. Did that lead you to become a best-selling author? I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm referring to an education yeah. in online that dating. That was a leading question. Is, <laughs> it is a leading question. Yeah. But, you know, there must be, you know, at the end of the day, you have written a book. It's a bestseller. You are an author. Reading of books and other people's yeah. words, putting them down, was yeah. that an inspiration for you to, to go on that particular path? Yeah, I would say that I, I co-authored that book, so I can't take the, all of the credit for it. And actually, the written words... Some of them are mine, but most of them, I was, I was lucky enough to work with a very talented screenwriter. And before we published that book, we'd spent probably 18 months, two years writing online dating profiles for people. So I would say that he was, the guy I worked with was a, a very important part of my life at that stage. He allowed me to see how to write 
Yes. I didn't know how to write before that. I knew how to read, but I didn't know how to write. And it's very inspiring. I, I realised that having a good vocabulary and articulating it in the way that you speak and the right way that you write are two different things. It's interesting. Some people are very, very articulate in the way they write, but not the way they speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he kind of put the, f- the, the first thoughts in my mind of taking my thoughts and writing them down. Um, is at that stage, actually, I started journaling. Um, mm. I don't know if you wanted to go into journaling or not today. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you've learned the art of writing, I mean, learning the art of writing mm. takes decades. Yeah. Um, but again, it's all about inspiration. I mean, mm. that's what we're on. That by doing that book, you mm. then started journaling. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, what do you mean by journaling? Well, it's, it's interesting, actually. So um, I also started writing a blog for my website and uh, I've got some of the old blogs I used to write and the, the, the technically and just the words I would use were just abysmal. <laughs> yes. But then we all start somewhere, right? And yes. what I used to do um, to get better at writing, I used to read my favourite authors and I'd pick up the, the syntax of and the, and the structure of sentences, the, the rule of three, if you want to make impact, you use three similar words together, how to start sentences. Um, yeah, I, I, it was... It was iterative I think which is by doing mm, it mm. I just literally picked up it and went mm. along and then came up with my own style and mm. then I've worked with other people that write dating profiles and you just pick up styles as you go away yeah. but talking about um journaling because journaling's a very cathartic form of self-development now at any stage you can pick up a pen and paper and you can journal now for me personally journaling can be writing down your goals it can be planning, it can be writing about your past, thinking about your future, thinking about ways that you could impact the world. The important thing is that you get your thoughts out of your head and you get them down on paper. That in itself is an extremely cathartic tool. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's very interesting that you talk like that because actually you've made your name, if I may say so, as a communicator verbally Mm. rather than as a writer. Yeah. Um, And, you know... Gary, you're the founder of Social Attraction. It's well established. You're an expert um, in an, you know, educating people to date mm. and improve their lifestyles. Um, you mentioned something just a second ago about self-development and coping strategies. Can you expand on that um, in your, your day-to-day with your clients for Social Attraction? Self-development coping strategies mm. now it's a very generic term mm. what what do you actually mean by coping strategies and uh can, can you expand on that because it, it's yeah. it's where you've made your name yeah so my thoughts on this i mean i have a working hypothesis on this at the moment um but a good analogy to think about is if you imagine that you're you're kind of going along your day-to-day life and you're on this 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 yeah. line here and something happens that's bad you are taken from where you are and emotionally you're going to move off this flat line and you're going to go down. Now, a good analogy is like heaven and hell. All of a sudden, you know, you get a phone call and a relative has been hit by a car, right? Instantly, in that moment, you're coming off this flat line and you're going down into hell. Now, if you wait in life for things to happen to you, here's what happens. And here's what happened when I had my car accident. I had no coping strategies Really, I had some, but I, not like I do now. 
I was on my day-to-day life. I had a car accident and I was plunged down here. And I was down there for many, many years and I couldn't cope. And this is really where the emotional trauma takes place. It's here and you try and get out of there as quickly as possible. A lot of people turn to drink, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is to get themselves away from here. Now, what I learned, I mean, I climbed out through educating myself. That, that was my, that was it for me. I educated myself. I meditated. I did whatever it could to feel better. What I've learned, and I, I finally got to here, and then you, you have moments of, of amazing things mm. that happen in your life. They're moments. That's all they are. But they make all of this worthwhile. Um, what I've learned is there's, there's two ways you can conduct your life. You can either wait for something to happen and you get plunged down here and you can't cope, or you take it on and you decide you want to better your life. And as soon as you make that decision... You plunge yourself down here because there's a reason why you haven't developed your life yet. And in my experience is mainly one of the main reasons is you can't emotionally cope Mm. getting out of your comfort zone, basically. But when you do that of your own accord, when it's your own idea and you have a goal and you stick to it, which is the hardest thing, that's when you really develop. I think a lot of people set goals and aspirations for they want and they come down here and and they can't cope because it's too hard. You don't need to come all the way down here. I was plunged like through the floor with my car accident. But you can move here just a little bit down and then build your self-efficacy and your confidence to start coming back up. But there's a massive difference between doing that when you're forced to and doing it because you want to. You know, I mean, just to go on this theme, do you think people, the way you're talking about it, you, you, you know, you're an expert in this and you coach people to improve their lives. But do you think people can do what you do or did on their own, or do they need assistance? Is, is, is that where, you know, you're coming from, that you recognise you needed some type of um, inspiration, if that's the word, it may have been books, it may have been this, it may have been other things. Can people honestly get, them, get themselves out of hell? on their own or do they need uh, a third party an agent to to help them in this way to guide them yeah um it's hard i'm not gonna lie it's hard it's the it's it's the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life and my traumas the trauma i had you know there's other people that probably had worse traumas i'm not saying mine was worse but the point was it was the way that i looked at the trauma that made it bad for me Mm. it was the way that i approached it because I'd never I'd never been that far out of my comfort zone and, and not been able to cope so in answer to your question um I can only answer for myself yes and I didn't do it by myself no I, I did it through um people that had taken their time to write down their thoughts mm. and share them um you know I, I was in a really bad place Mike. I was you know it, it really wasn't good mate no. it was like you know you lose your friends because all your friends are to do with your sport. You know, you put on, mm. I put on loads of weight and my self image mm. went and it, I was, I was just in a really bad place. And, mm. you know, yes, of course I plunged myself out of it, but I had help. I mean, everyone needs help. It doesn't but, matter who you are. But you, what was interesting, Gary, is that you, you, you're sort of intimating that actually we're in this terribly dark place, the hell that you were in and we, you know, hell is relevant, mm. uh, relative. Yeah, of course. But you were in this, awful you know uh dante circle of hell if you like mm. uh going through the, the the circles um it's almost like you actually didn't have anybody to help you it's almost like you had to seek your own way out of it mm. i mean and you searched for mm. that didn't you 
I mean, I, is, is that, am I on the right track there? I mean, I, I feel yeah. as though you you were a very lonely man at that time. Now, uh, uh, that, that's not a personal uh, criticism, but obviously when people have hell, they mm. have family support, they mm. have their yeah. uh, their friends. Mm. You're, it's almost like you didn't actually have anybody to help you there. There's a couple of things here uh, that I'll, I'll delve into because they're important. The first thing is that it doesn't matter where you are in your life. You've got your imagination, okay? The first step for me, for change, is to imagine it. And no one can take that away from you. It doesn't matter what you're doing for a living. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. You can use your imagination to change your life. Um, I did a, one of my very first podcasts was on um, Willy Wonka, who's the archetypal image of imagination. You could have picked Walt Disney, who's someone that manifested his world. Um, but when you study these characters, you realize that it's their vivid, childlike imagination. Um, at the same time, I also watched um, Hook, the Peter Pan film. Yeah. And that's the story of Peter Pan who lost his imagination. And when he got it back, his everything came back to him. And, you know, as, as I get older, my imagination is it's one of the most important things in my life. That's, it's where creativity comes from. Mm. It's it's where you imagine a better place. And it, it's really how I look at the world. I, I, I look at the world and I think, you know, how can I imagine myself making an impact? How do I imagine this to be better? When I'm working with clients, how do I imagine helping them? Mm. Without that imaginative process, where do you go? Yeah, you, you can't go there, can you? Because there's there's nowhere to go with it. No. Um, sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, that shows a little inner strength because you know, I can see that this has created the the foundation for the Gary Gun that I'm talking to now and social attraction. Um, and that you've gone through these stages by yourself, seeking and finding assistance, if that's the right yeah. word. And you're able now to mm. sort of pass this experience, yeah. knowledge, wisdom, if you like, as a young man, you're still a young man. Mm. You have a wisdom about you. Um, it, would you say that all of this created the foundation for what you are today as a yeah. professional coach? Well, there's, I would, yeah. And there's, there's something else that I, I just like to mention. It was actually on the previous point. Mm. Um, you know, when you were going back to, you know, it seemed like I was an extremely lonely person. Mm. Um, it was, it was worse than that. It was, it was worse than that. You know, I, I, I decided, I made a decision that, um, you know, I, I read a few of these books and I decided that I wanted, wanted to better my life. And, you know, I was in a, a bad place and I was inspired um, and I was like, okay, I can take everything I learned from my sporting days and I can channel this into doing something. And when I first took the steps towards setting up social attraction, um, it's a difficult thing to do. You know, anyone that puts their first bit of content online, that's, that's challenging, you know, especially as yeah. I had no one to help me. Yeah. Now, when I did that, when I put my first bit of content online and, and stuff like that, I found that my existing friendship group berated me and I had no support. Not only did I not have support, I had people in my life who I thought were supposed to be there to support and protect me, absolutely crucifying me to the point where I was, it just, it plunged me further. Mm. You know, even not only do you not have support, but you have people that are actively going after you and attacking you for what you're doing. When you're coming from a place of purity, mm. you're coming from a place where you want to actually do something in the world. There's a book that I read called The Idiot by Dostoevsky. I only read it last year. And it's about a guy that goes into the world pure and gets corrupted by a corrupt society. 
And that, that book resonated so much with me. I, I think I've maintained, with my imagination, I've maintained my purity in this. Yeah. But that, that's horrendous. I mean, it, it's like, it's worse. What's worse than being lonely is being lonely when everyone's attacking you, when you're trying to do a good <laughs> yeah. thing. It's, it's not good. And, and the only thing, the only thing that got me through that, the only thing that got me through that was reading the books. Reading yeah. these books of, of magnets and biographies of people that have had worse situations yes. than me. People that have just gone through hell. And there's patterns. These people, they don't think short term. They're not short term thinkers. They're long term thinkers. They think about the bigger picture. They think about, you know, how they can inspire people in the future. And a lot of these people have, have gone through very bad times. Yes. And similar to me. That's the interesting thing, actually. When, you, when you're going through a tough time, if you don't have support in the real world, if you read someone who's been through worse, it gives you perspective and yes. you're like, that's oh, not that bad. So again, when I'm talking about this stuff now, I'm talking about it, you know, seven or eight years ago. Mm. Now, if I want to do something in my life, A, I'm probably not going to tell anyone, I'm just going to do it because I don't need anyone's validation. Mm. And B, if I'm getting criticism, lovely because actually there could be some words of wisdom in there. So perhaps at the time, you know, there were words of wisdom for people that I wasn't mm. ready to listen to, mm. if that also makes sense. No, it does. Um, and also I, I love the way you, you talked about the purity and I, I completely understand that from my own uh, life. But, you know, these people, I want to major on these people who didn't support you or criticised you when you were down, kicking you when you were down back in that day. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the word purity. You know, whatever you've done, Gary, um, and social attraction it is about, it, it's very moralistic and you have an ethical attitude towards it. Um, you know, where does the, you know, would you say that that purity, you know, being kicked when you were down mm. gave you your very valuable morals that you have today and your mm. ethics that you conduct throughout your business yeah. today? Yeah. Can you, you know, can you sort of, you know, have your, we talked about philosophy, mm. okay? Your philosophy has been, you know, uh, built upon yeah. from what you've read. Would you yeah. say morals and ethics is also a vital part of your, that learning process coming out of hell? Yeah. You've I developed would. that I, and, yeah. you, and you, you know, and I'm, and I'm sort of intimating social attraction here yeah, and an education in dating. Can you sort of? Yeah, yeah. If you, I mean, I talk, I talk about your your morals and, and your virtues as your your inner guiding compass. So okay. if you imagine that you're lost in the middle of nowhere, yeah. how, how do you know where you're going? Which well, you which you were. Yeah. Well, you yeah exactly. You don't know where you're going. The only thing that you have is your inner compass. Now, yes. this is an interesting topic. It's a very uh, in depth topic here because when you're starting a business, you're, when you're a creator, when you're creating something from nothing. You've got no idea whether it's going to work or not. Yeah. But actually, that thinking is incorrect. There's something called a leap of faith. And I took a leap of faith many years ago to, to leave another business I was involved in um, and to put my heart into building social attraction. Well, listen, I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to, mm. I'm going to actually, you know, I want you to come out with this. I mean, yeah. this business that you left suddenly yeah. and made this decision, yeah. would you like to expand on that a little bit? What was the business, who you're working for, and you made a huge leap of faith? I did, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not going to go into the, the exact details of the business. Okay. Um, it was with 
um, yeah, I I'm not going to go into the exact okay. details of okay. that. I, I think okay. that's a little bit too private. But what I will say um, is that it was a toxic environment for me. Okay. Um, it, w it wasn't a healthy situation for me to be waking up every day and doing something I don't enjoy. It's the only thing I ever knew um, at that time. Yes. And when I made the decision, it was a, it was a tough decision. Mm. I mean, well, it felt like a tough decision at the time. Now it would be like, you mm. know, a decision like that is so obvious but to you me know, now. There's, there's, there's millions of people out there, Gary. I mean, let's get, yeah. let's get on it, who wake up every morning and yeah. are just generally not happy yeah. and are in a toxic environments. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so this is an important thing. So, yeah. you know, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I, I want to push yeah, you on this one. You can do. Now, what I would say on this, because you're right, is a very important topic. Um, and I've coached a lot of people to do this. Yes. I've coached a lot of people to make this leap of faith. But I would also say, Mark, that I've coached a lot of people that haven't managed to make that leap of faith. Now, as a coach, it's my role to inspire people and to lead them to, to making better decisions in their life. Now the leap of faith is a it's um it's a jump, isn't it? You, you're going from you, you're basically jumping out of your comfort zone. It's not even out of your comfort zone. It's jumping from one world to a completely new world. Yeah. Now what I guess you're asking me is what enabled me to do that that doesn't enable other people to yes. do it? How can I help them with it? Okay, honestly speaking, pain. I was in such a toxic environment with such pain. That, that was a big motivator for me. Now, I can talk about the imagination and, and being excited about things, which I was. Um, but for me, at that stage, it was pain. And when I took myself out of that toxic situation, it wasn't a complete leap of faith. It was, it was for me at the time, I had some money saved up that enabled me a grace period. It wasn't yes. like I was jumping here and yeah, I was... Yeah, sure. So I had a grace period. After I left, that, took that initial leap of faith... I had that grace period. That's when my imagination really kicked in because you take yourself out of an, an environment which is bad for you. Mm. And then, for example, I took my... Okay, I'll word it a different way. I went from being in an environment where I was... I felt unworthy. I was, you know, just underappreciated, yeah. undervalued. And what I did the following day from leaving that, I surrounded myself with literature of people that tell you you can do it. Yeah. Now, you can't imagine mm. the difference the support i mean the, the thing about the leap of faith is interesting as soon as you've made that leap of faith as soon as you make that decision your life is going to change in so many different ways yeah. and unfortunately the way the world is it's only after you've made that decision but it's instantaneous yeah. as soon as you make that decision your life completely changes yeah. and i'm i've been coaching long enough now to see people that also that haven't made that decision mm. and it doesn't end well no um because sorry just on that if you don't make that decision, um, you have to take the responsibility of your life from that stage on. Mm. And I've took, I've took that leap of faith. It's the biggest one I've ever taken. But my life hasn't been sunshine and roses since then. I've had mm. a million leap of faith mm, to take. But the first one, that's the one that gives you the confidence yeah, to do it again. Yeah. I think when you take a, a leap of faith, you don't have to take any more leaps of faith. What you do is you take bridges yeah. from place to place. Absolutely, but yeah. But the leap of faith has gone. Yes, there are bridges to cross, yeah. and sometimes they're not, uh, you know, yeah. in a favourable situation. But mm. you don't have to take the leap of faith. It's true. Um, sorry, just on that point mm. as well. You you just reminded me that 
um, the book, the original book I read called Think and Grow Rich. Mm. He gives an analogy of a great warrior who I found out to be Julius Caesar, who sailed his ships to the UK for the first time. Mm. When he arrived, they were outnumbered three to one. He turned around and gave the order to burn the bridge, burn their boats. Mm. And what he said is that now you can either stay and fight or you die. Mm. So he believed in having no plan B. Mm. Now, if you if you listen to most people, you got to have a plan B. You got to have yeah. a backup plan. I don't believe in that. Mm. I believe that you go all in. Now, when I read that, when I read that in that book, that is what inspired me to take the leap of faith because I was trying to grow social attraction whilst I was involved in another business. And I realized mm. you're never going to be able to do this. You've got to burn your, burn your boats mm. to be able to do it. Mm. So again, reading inspired me. It gave me an analogy. Mm. It gave me a framework to make the decision. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the way you're, you're, you're expressing yourself and explaining this, it, it's a nice circle because we talked, you know, first of all about, you know, a very dark place and you used inspiration through books and, you know, we've developed that. Um, you talked about pain to make the leap of faith. And I, I, I want to press this just a little further. Um, are we talking about emotional pain? And you've, you mentioned the term a little while ago, um, emotional trauma. Mm. So are you somebody, when you're coaching social attraction, was it based on helping people emotionally? And if so, where, what do you mean by emotion? Hmm. Um, how would you describe emotion? It's such a huge word. Yeah. And in today's world, it's thrown out here and there. It's, hmm. it's almost like the word love. Um, you know, it's, it's used too often and incorrectly yeah. sometimes. Can you, you know, expand on that for me a little bit? Your, your, yeah. your, your take on the word emotion, yeah. the pain, the trauma, and where, yeah. what you've learned that Perfect. gives people that freedom yeah. again to live. It's interesting. So I would say that the reason why generally people hire me or, or work within social attraction um, is because they would like to increase their dating confidence. Yes. I mean, that's that's generally what people are looking for when they hire me. Now, that's the initial thing that allows people to be influenced by me. But really, after that that strategy or that structure or that confidence has been instilled, yes. it's then about, inst in, in my opinion, it's then about instilling better values and a better way of coping in the world so that yes. they can then go on and be better people on an emotional level Gary is, I think is that it, what you mean for me personally because I've coached people that don't struggle emotionally so I can't okay put a cloth okay. over everyone okay. there are people that have their emotions in check they want to have more confidence in dating I assist them in that they're good to go yes um, the vast majority of people struggle with emotions of overwhelm frustration anger, mm. um, not feeling good enough. I don't know if that's an emotion, but mm. they struggle with these emotions and they don't know what to do. Now, mm. it's, it's, it's interesting. So over the years, I've tried loads of different ways of, first of all, labeling the emotion because often you don't even know what emotion it is. Mm. And that takes a lot of self-reflection to mm. actually work out what it is. But I'll give you a few examples. If I'm feeling overwhelmed, I know for me, I write it down. As soon as I write it down, I'm not overwhelmed anymore. Now it sounds simple. It is simple hmm. and it works. Hmm. But in my experience, most people don't do it because A, they don't know they're overwhelmed and B, they don't think it would work for them. Hmm. It doesn't work for everyone, but that worked for me. Frustration is another powerful emotion. When I'm feeling frustrated, I go and work it out at the gym. Hmm. Now they're two for me. I know what they are. I can feel them inside my body. As soon as I feel them coming up, I know how to use them to better my life. Just those coping strategies, just those two are life-changing. Hmm. Um, and I'm still on my journey to working out and, and really reflecting on other emotions and how I personally cope with them. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's incredibly insightful. 
um, with what you're saying. And it, 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 it begs the question now, as far as, you know, the founder of Social Attraction, the success you've had and are having, um, it's a very simple question, Gary. How do you coach these people? Um, how do you coach your clients um, to, to, to have this dating confidence, but also to self-develop? Because that's, I'm getting a, a feeling that, yeah, your clients come to you for dating confidence. They have a lack of self-esteem in that area of life. But actually, you're going deeper, aren't you? So yeah. the question still remains, how do you go about coaching this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll finally get around to answering your question. Okay. Um, so it's a very difficult question to answer because everyone's different. Sure. However, the general framework, the, the way I like to work with people is I look at a man's character. Okay. I look at them and I think, you know, how can this person, how do I imagine this person being the best person that they can be? And, you know, whether that's being more creative, whether it's changing their career whether it's dressing differently, you know, these are all things that have to be taken into account, the global view on, on a character. Now, the first steps with anyone, because you have to build trust and build comfort with people, you have to give them a couple of quick wins, which enable them to feel more confident. So some conversational strategy, a structure for engaging someone new in conversation that works. Yes. They try what you're suggesting, it works. They get instant feedback, okay, this works. They're then happy to try something new. Now, what I found over the years is that I don't, I mean, this interview is a bit left field for me. I don't typically, you know, discuss things in, in, in this arena. I don't normally share that much information about my own self-development. It's typically asked by clients yes. because I feel that, you know, they've hired me, I'm influencing them. And they'll see me having an interaction or the way that I am. And they'll ask me how I do that. Yes. And when I'm asked, I will share that information. Mm. The reason why I'm a bit hesitant to share all of these things is because I recognize that everyone's different. Yeah, sure. And I, I can't sermonize and say, you need to do this and mm. you need to do that. Mm. Again, I've fallen into this trap as well. You know, I would have labeled myself as a self-development junkie a few years mm. back. I definitely was. And I, I, I bought into these ideas. I believe that you needed to set goals 10 times more difficult than what you think you can do. And, to, and yeah, and it's just, you have to be careful what, what you're buying into. Because um, I think a lot of these things can be indoctrinating as yeah. well, which is why, again, I'm a little bit, I know you've asked me the same question a few different ways. Mm. You know, I'm happy to share what works for me. Mm. I'm happy to say, you know, in my experience, these things have worked mm. for me and have been extremely powerful. Mm. I'm going to tell you or explain one thing that really changed my life. And it may sound like a small thing, but it wasn't. Uh, there was a philosopher called Socrates. He's regarded as the godfather of philosophy. And he believed that we don't really know anything. There's no such thing as facts in the world because actually you can disprove any fact. Mm. Um, and he believed that when you speak, you should speak in the Socratic. So I'll explain how that played out. When I first started coaching, you have this insecurity that you feel like you have to know everything, right? And I'd be like, you know, women are attracted to leaders. And then you'd come across a, a lady that would say, well, I'm not. And I'd say, yeah, but you don't think you are, but biologically you are, right? Because <laughs> yeah. you've got to be right about everything. Yeah. And when I became aware of that Socratic thinking, what he, taught, what he teaches that you should speak in your experience. So I went from being definitive to being open-minded. Mm. I went from saying women are attracted to leaders to 
in my experience, they're attracted to leaders. And here's what changed. Not only did I come across better in the way I communicated, I became more open-minded. Mm. That, was, that was a big thing for me at that time because all of a sudden, it wasn't like women are attracted to leaders. It was like, okay, in my experience so far they are. Now, what are women attracted to? A wide variety yeah. of different things. Creativity, for me, is another huge one. That's not just related to being attractive to women. This is for your own self-development. Yeah. Being creative, I think, is at the center of, of everyone I've met. Um, I'm not saying for everyone because I can't, but I think there is something innate in all of us where we need to self-express. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, the okay, I'm, I've got a couple of questions going through my mind right now. It's a, as you say, it's a, a very important part of this interview, I think. You talked about your clients, you know, having them, you know, getting, building up their confidence with a couple of easy wins, uh, doing this, doing that. I'm going to ask you another very big question here. <laughs> yeah. What's your definition then of success? Um, not just for yourself, but for your clients as well. Mm. You know, when does success begin? When does mm. success end? Does it ever end? Mm. Um, because it is all about success. You are a successful man, but you weren't once. So when when did you start becoming successful? Can you sort of pigeonhole that? And referring that onto your clients, mm. what is your advice or your guidance about to a client who is coming to you for some self-development, dating mm. confidence, um, more creativity, how does he know, or you know, Gary, mm. that you're actually being successful? Because I know it's a very important word for you. Yeah, it's huge. And again, I have a working hypothesis on this because it's mm. such a huge arena because you can distinguish between feeling successful and something being a success. So if you put on, if I put on an event, uh, and it goes well and, and people take away value from it. That is externally a success. Does that mean I felt successful? No, it doesn't. I, I've done events before that outwardly have been a tremendous success, but I didn't feel successful for yeah. doing it. Um, so I would like to specifically focus on the internal feeling of being successful. Now, I'm heavily into goal setting, as you know. Um, I think that's an area we can discuss a bit later in the interview because it, it's very important to me. Um, but the thing is, when you when you set goals, most people do a, an outward goal. I want to put this event on. I want this to be successful. I want to, you know, go and talk to this girl and I want it to be successful. Now, for me, the success isn't how it pans out. The success is the decision that you make. Now, often in life, you can have two decisions to make. You can decide, very simple one, to not exercise today, or you can decide to exercise today. For me, the success is the decision that's gonna bring you closer to where you wanna be in the future. It's a very simple methodology, but actually on a day-to-day -day basis, I use it all the time. Mm. It's something I always have in, in my consciousness is like, you know, do I feel like exercising now? And I'm like, and then I think about, you know, what's the right decision to feel successful here? Yeah. Is to exercise. Yeah. No, you know, I, I you know, I, I take that on board because the word success, you know, has these extrinsic external uh, connotations in the modern world. And actually you're bringing it down much easier to find success in yourself just by making a decision I, to do something yeah. is, is a success is what you're saying to okay. me. So I'm doing this interview today. Okay. I'm, I'm with you and you're very kindly saying to me that I'm a successful person, which is, it's very kind to hear someone like you saying those kind words to me. Now, did, I, did that come around 
um, by the external things that have happened to me? Or has that been a series of decisions that have led me to be here today? Yes. They have been a series of decisions that have led me to be here today. And what they have required to be able to do that is a moral compass that I work on. It's required education. It's required role models. It's required me in difficult periods to do what is right and not to do what is easy. And that, again, I, I've heard that said a thousand times, okay? When I articulate that, I'm articulating it because I've done it. Yeah. And the important thing as a coach is that you articulate and you coach what you've done. You will not hear me discussing and speaking about things I haven't done. If I don't know, I will say I don't know. If I have a working hypothesis, I will, I will give you that. Yeah. If I have something which I know is factually true for me, then I will say it. And that's one. I have had or I have been learning how to make better successful decisions with my life over the past 10 years. Yeah. And, and that series of successful moments lead you to look like on the outside a success. Now today, if I make bad decisions, do I feel like a success? Of course I don't. Mm. So, you know, you don't get to this moment where you're a success in life. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. It's every decision that you make during your day-to-day -day life. Yeah, no, well, well put. You know, and, and I feel that, you know, these decisions that you've made, we talked again a little bit earlier and it's sort of, you know, it, it's funny how everything's connected with what we're talking about. You talked about creation and being a creator is an attractive quality. I don't think mm. you said that, but mm. you alluded to uh, your coaching. Uh, putting some creative ability into somebody is a, yeah. an attractive thing. Yeah. Um, but there's being a creator yeah. for external people yeah. and external things and there's being a creator for yourself there's an expression the expression is creative self-expression mm -hmm. um now you believe in that you know yeah. that, that creative self-expression is that what you're trying to give your clients to become more creative to become more self-aware of their creative ability yeah so there's a couple of things here so the first of all i would say that most of us are content consumers and if we flick that switch and become content creators, our life will change instantaneously. Um, that's the first point. I'm heavily into that. When I work with clients, I'm always thinking, how do I help this person express themselves better? It can be launching their own podcast. It can be writing anything that gets their information outside of themselves. Now, the reason why um, I think that's important, um, if you imagine that until recent times, we've been tribal creatures up to maybe 150 people per tribe. Now, if you imagine the elders don't share stories and their learning lessons to the younger generation, that tribe will expire. They will no longer be on the planet. Mm. So from my point of view, there is something innate, it's in our DNA, where the sharing of information and learning lessons is deep set within us. Because mm. if we didn't do that, biologically, we wouldn't exist. So on an evolutionary scale, I think innately we're all supposed to be doing it. And when you do start teaching or educating people with the lessons that you've learned, you feel better. You just, you just feel better. When you write a piece of content that is actually, you've learned it and it's gonna help people, you feel cathartic, you feel like a success and you feel great. And that inspires you to go out and learn more because actually one of the things about creating content is that often you run out of content. Because if you're creating new content all the time, you have to keep getting that from somewhere. And the way that you do that is you keep challenging yourself to work out more things, to educate people, yeah. simplify it and teach it 
then you have the process of, did this work? It worked for me, but I'm in a, a quite a lucky position where I, I work with my clients or have done for, for many years. So I can see their progression and I can actually see what, what's worked over yeah, the years. Yeah. That's a powerful thing um, to actually see it work for me, but also other people. Just on this as well, it's, it's, a, it's a small thing, but again, as a coach, you'll probably recognize this. When you're working with people, you don't realize the impact you're actually making to the world. So for anyone who is thinking about becoming a coach or, or, or looking at helping people, it starts with helping one person because that person, if you can inspire them or change their life, they're going to come in contact with probably a thousand people in their life who they will then impact. So I've been coaching for many years. You, you start to see the, mm. the, the change in their character. And when you spend time with them, they start inspiring you. And you're like, this is amazing. From where this person is, he's gone and, and he's, he's implemented it. I, you know, I'm there as a conduit. I'm not saying, you know, I'm this guru. I'm not. I am the conduit from where people are to where they want to be. Mm. And I help them on that process. Where they go from there is completely them. I'm grateful to be with them in that period. But it's amazing seeing it like many years later. Um, no, I totally yeah. agree with you. The ripple effect, the butterfly ah, effect. the ripple what, effect, yeah. What, whatever you want to do, you throw a stone in a pond and it, and it, and it ripples to the end of the shore. Um, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, you'll mm. be amazed, you know, uh, one line of wisdom to one person can influence a country, mm. actually, mm. Um, without going into that. Well, well it does. And f for example, um, I was holding... Um, one of my one of my client one of my old clients child the mm. other day i was i was i was holding a, a physical entity mm. that would not have existed had i mm. not have played my role in his life no, no it's a, that is one of those moments no. where you just you're dumbfounded you're no. just like yeah uh, you know. it, I've, I've experienced something like similar to that as well um but you know not everybody can create self-expression you you can you know you can't you're not teaching them would you would it be fair to say gary that you're making them aware of that tool or technique to improve their their lives absolutely awareness yeah oh, I think rather than yeah. teaching it because the word yeah, yeah. for me i don't know if you want to talk about this the word teaching it, it goes back to school mm. you must learn this because mm. this is the only way yeah. you can go ahead I personally don't buy into that, yeah. but I like the word facilitating awareness or the, or the phrase. I, I mean, I, I mean where's you, where, where do you sit on this? Yeah, I sit with the word influence. Okay. I'm, I'm heavily into influence. Um, I, I, there's a big distinction between influencing someone and persuading someone. I think mm. persuading is more the teaching for me. You're, you're persuading someone to make a decision. I'm, I'm more of an influencer. So I, I believe that, you know, I'm a, I would like to be thought of as a role model um, for my okay. clients. Um they see the decisions I make, they see, they see the way that I conduct my life and I influence them because they, they see things that I do and they want to be able to do them. Yeah. But to be able to do them, they have to do some things that I do, some daily rituals to yes. be able to do that, yes. such as, you know, reading and exercising. Yes. They see the result and they, that, that is inspiring. Mm. You know, how do I see, how do I imagine myself? I imagine myself as an inspirer, mm. an influencer, mm. which is funny because... When I, when I used to play sports, it's, 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 it's the closest thing I can get. I, you know, as a, as a, as a rugby player, um, it was always those moments of inspiration. When I think back to playing, it was those moments where you did something that inspired the team. Mm. That was always me. And, and it still is me. I think that's, that's just who I am. It's yeah. that inspiring nature. I wasn't someone that necessarily would give the good team talk 
Mm. But I'm someone that's going to go and do something where everyone else has to up mm. their game around mm. you because no. you set that new bar. Yeah. yeah. No, understand. And, and, and getting back down to you and, and what you offer and, and making other people aware. And, you know, you, 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 we've already talked about the fact that you've written a, um, a best-selling book. But, you know, very recently you went into podcasts and um, you've done over 100 podcasts, audio podcasts. You're now going into video uh, podcasts and, you know, you're interviewing um, well-known people and respected people, experts on things. Now, that was a decision to enhance your creative self-expression. Mm, it was. But how did you get to the point, you you know, you, you have the tools, but at the end of the day, you'd never done a podcast before. Mm-hmm. You'd never interviewed anybody yeah, before. Absolutely. What's that transitional moment yeah. which your clients probably feel with you? You're asking yeah, yeah. them yeah. to do something and it's that little, just that push. Yeah. They're almost there. Yeah. But you've gone through it yourself very recently. And, you absolutely. you know, on your credits, you've got over 100 podcasts behind yeah. you. You've got over, you know, you've got a dozen or so video interviews. You're, yep. you're, you are well known now locally. What is... What, how can somebody just that extra 10 meters, if you like, to the finishing line to actually say, do you know what? I've just creatively self-expressed. Absolutely. So what I say to everyone is try everything once. Try writing, try recording a podcast, try doing a video, try dancing, spend a month and do 30 new things and see which one you like. Now, my podcast was an interesting one, Mark, because I was doing a lot of social attraction training and courses and and for me i'm i'm very you say i'm a very creative i i I think very deeply about a wide variety of topics and what i found myself doing was falling into the trap of trying to express these ideas during the social attraction courses and they didn't fit and i realized that you know people are investing into a certain arena here yes you've got all this knowledge but don't link them so i i decided a year ago um, that I wanted to express myself a different way. So I, I, I bought the, the audio podcast equipment and I, I just started self-expressing. Yes. I, it's funny, the, the, early, the early ones are always going to be my favourites because <laughs> I, I, I'm a big film fan and I, I analyse film characters about why they were attractive. That actually gave me um, more wisdom and knowledge about attractive character traits and why mm. we like film characters. Mm. But anyway, I, I self-expressed for it for a year and I, I created all of this content and I, it wasn't forced, it, it wasn't paid for. It was whenever I felt like I wanted to express myself and all of a sudden this, this bubble of creativity would just fizz up and, you know, I, I'd be working somewhere and I'd get this idea for a podcast. I was just inspired. I couldn't wait to get by the, by the audio to record it. Yeah. Um, and that progressed and I think after about the 80th episode, I... I realized that I'd express myself now, that all of these years of experience is done. All of my knowledge is in those first 84 podcasts. Mm. And I can honestly say they are um, all of the learning lessons of my life. And what I realized is that I needed to get some external influences because, you know, I realized that I'm, I'm here and reading is, is amazingly powerful, but I wanted to get in front of people. I wanted to feel other people, other experts, energy. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I imagined myself doing it again, power of your imagination. Yeah. I imagined myself doing it. It's always the first step. Um, and someone offered to invest, um, into my podcast, uh, which has now taken place. And 
and now I'm in a position where um, I have the funding in place to to get access to these people that I'd like to interview. Yeah. Now that all started because I wanted to self-express and the year of creating those first 80 episodes was one of the best years of my life. Mm. If I'm being honest with you, I, yeah. I love, I, I loved it because it's, you're just cleansing yourself. Yeah. And this is the other thing about cleansing yourself and, and, and getting this information. I was stuck. I was stuck full of information. And actually I realized that again, going back to this, this tribal thing of, of sharing information, when I shared all of the information I had, I was ready to learn again. Hmm. And that's interesting because mm. I, I, I view myself as open-minded, but I was almost like I was full. So when I downloaded everything that I had, all of a sudden now it was like, oh, wow, there's space to learn. I started reading more, more avidly again, and, and that was interesting, but I wanted to be influenced by people. I, I don't want to interview people or, or do podcasts on Skype. That's not me. I need to get the man in front of me or, mm. the, or the lady in front of me. Um, and I cannot tell you how much I'm learning by doing them. Yeah. It is, it's amazing. Um, you, it's so much more powerful than having a conversation. Mm. When the camera's on, your person's there, yeah. you soak them up. You soak up this person's charisma, what mm. makes them great. Mm. Um, and you see things in yourself through other people as well. It's very, it's very self-reflective mm. tool. It's almost a, a revitalization. I mean... You know, you you reached a certain point. You 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 self-expressed creatively. Yeah. You decided to do podcast, and what you know. And I love this idea of cleansing yourself and, and giving yourself room to learn. I really mm. like that. Um, you know, and that's something I think we should all take on board. You know, mm. you know, there comes a point. But not only that, you know, you talked about investment and and being in a position to do it. You're adding value, aren't you? You're adding value to your life by this creative self-expression. You're adding value not only to yourself, you're adding value to the world by sharing the information. Um, and I know that that's something that, although you're talking about it without being aware, actually it all ties in with your your principles about you as a coach and social attraction, putting value on yourself. Now, how you do that and what you do, but the key word is you must have value to yourself. And we all go through life, don't we, Gary? I, I believe we come to a point where our value is not being added to. We're not learning anymore. We, we're worth this and we're comfortable with it, but we're not, obviously. Um, you know, you're, you're very perceptive over what you've just said, actually, because I have huge awareness over the area that you just discussed about about the value that you have and there's two things there's the value you put out to the world but there's also the value you place on yourself they're linked but also they're not linked so if you imagine to put out good value to the world you have to have that knowledge and value within you now again when I first started coaching I recognized I had big gaps of knowledge so when I increased my confidence from um reading biographies and, and reading what successful people have done, I realized I had gaps of knowledge in philosophy, psychology, evolutionary psychology, communication skills, all these different areas. And I realized to increase my value to the world, I had to fill those gaps. So I then spent my time researching and learning and filling my gaps in these. Now, that did two things. It increased my value outwardly, but it also increased my value internally. Um, but these are... These are huge topics, Mark. I don't know no. where I don't know where you wanted to go well, I, I, with I, them. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're a huge topic, and we're talking about them. Okay. I mean, at the end of the day, they're part of you, Gary, yeah. and you're, we're talking about you as an education in Gary Gunn. 
um, you know, let's learn about you. Okay. I mean, and I know that this is a vital part mm. of, of your professional okay. career and right. other people's professional career. And value, mm. like anything in life, goes up and down. Okay. So I, I'd like to delve yeah. into it. All right. So if you imagine that you... Um, easiest way of phrasing this within what we're discussing. Okay, so I would say that there's been times where I've been coaching and I've been um, charging a certain amount for my coaching. And what I found is that with certain people, the barrier to you helping them change is the amount that they invest. So you, if you charge a millionaire a hundred pounds, then they're not going to be yeah. invested enough yeah. in your coaching. Now, what happens is when you feel an increase in your value internally, here's what happens. So you are going about your day-to-day -day life, you're at this level, you're operating here, and you you realize, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm worth more, or I'm placing more value on myself. Now that can be, I'm not gonna spend time with toxic people, I wanna charge more for what I do, I wanna do these different things, I wanna spend more time self-reflecting. Now, when you make that decision to put more value on yourself, unfortunately, the external world doesn't change simultaneously. Hmm. And this is what I call your rite of passage. Okay. So, you know, once, for example, we'll talk about price because it's an easy one. You know, if you put your price up in whatever you're doing, unfortunately, there aren't people that are just gonna pay more money straight away. But what happens is that by putting your price up, by putting up the value of yourself to the world, you realize when you've done it, when there aren't people investing in you, you realize you're not worth that amount of money yet. And what that does, that allows you to fill the gap yourself. Okay. So it's almost like if you say to yourself, right, um, I want to become, you know, I want to become this great person. That's a great aspiration and it's a great goal and it's a great thing to be like that. But you're not there yet. Otherwise you'd be there yeah. and there will be gaps in knowledge and there'll be external things that need to happen for you to be able to do that. And in my experience, it's often linked to coping strategies or knowledge. So the two, be the, the two best things that I've ever done in my life, gain more knowledge, get better at coping. Those two things are intrinsically linked to the success I've had in my life. Yeah, no, and again, they're, they're all three things that are linked to this interview. You've mentioned them um, and they, you know, th that's the thread. And, and the idea that those three things add value to a person. Mm. And I completely understand and you know that internal value does not necessarily mean external value and the world isn't ready but yeah. it gives you the opportunity to catch up with yourself that, and that's you know but that's where most people fail mark that's where most people go wrong most people they 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 try and assign a higher value to themselves and but, the external world doesn't give them exactly what they need there's no instant gratification no. because they don't get that, that they fall that, back down is that because they haven't got an internal value do you think the, 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 the modern world is that we look for external value before we look for internal value? You know, in other words, yeah. let's talk about a price. Somebody puts their prices up by 50%, they think it's worth it, but they haven't internally valued themselves yet at that price. Yeah. That is, am yeah, I, am I on that? That's a really good question. And I, and I tell you, there's, there's two ways of doing it, okay? There's one methodology of thought, which is that when you outgrow your current position, you'll outgrow your current position. So... Imagine yourself being better at what you do. Imagine yourself earning more money. When the time is right, that will naturally happen. Yes. That's the spiritual way of things to happen. Yeah. It can work like that and it does work like that. Or the other side of the coin 
is you just take the leap of faith or you take that bridge and you just say, I'm going to do it. And you do it and you just, you take the hits and you do have to take the hits. And you take that leap of faith because you feel you're worth it. Is that the internal value you, you place on yourself? You either feel you're worth it or you would like to be worth it. Okay. Either way, if you feel like you're worth it, I think it naturally happens. Yes. I think if you um, would like to be worth it, I think sometimes we jump a bit too quickly. Yeah. I'll give you an example. I mean, look, I, <laughs> when social attraction started, right, it was me. I was the video editor. I was the blog writer. <laughs> I was the coach. I was the mentor. Yeah. I was the planner. I was everything. And you actually right? had to make yourself a cup of tea, didn't you? Absolutely. Your own tea. I did. You made your own tea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I, but I mean, I had to do all of these things myself. Yeah. I wasn't ready, actually. When mm. I look back at it, I wasn't ready. But you know what? You're never ready. You know, yeah, yeah. are you ever truly ready? I don't know. No. Listen, if you want to do something, just do it. What's the, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Okay. The worst that happens is it doesn't go well. Is that a failure? Of course it's not a failure because you've learned something. Mm. You do it, you get feedback, you do it again, but you've got to be able to pick yourself back up again. You've got to be able to cope. Sometimes that can take time. And I think this is, this is where... Um, I think that I can, this is where I think it's, it's one of my areas where people enjoy being around me, not just people that have been hired by me, but people just enjoy being around me because I've picked myself up so many times that if they are talking about something in their life, you know, I've, I've got a lot of wisdom where I've been a lot further down than they are. Although they feel bad, I can mm. articulate certain experiences. Well, you, well, you have what is a, a very big communication tool and that's empathy yeah. isn't it yeah i mean you know we, we i don't think we can delve into that topic but but you, huge. Are, you, you it is huge but it's very much part of your mm. coaching um and it's part of getting along with people mm. and communicative skills but you know let's let's i'm, I'm now going to throw you a swerve ball right okay. social yeah. attraction right yeah. seven years you've coached in may most i think it's 11 major cities in the uk scotland wales england yeah um, you've also been to, if I get this right, nine different countries in Europe uh, and 13 major cities on tour, European tours. <laughs> Social attraction isn't all about putting value on yourself, getting through, you know, coping strategies. F-U-N. Um, I think that spells fun. Yeah. Um, I need to ask you about this. Then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here's the throw out one. Can you remember your first ever European tour with clients? I can, Mark. You know, you know. That <laughs> and I was... want to hear all about it. And so you do our can. viewers. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to start with something actually on that point. Talking of success earlier. Um, when I sat on the plane, um, actually it's a very, you know, I'm getting a bit emotional here. But when I first sat on that plane to go on my first European tour, that's the first time in my life I felt a success. First time ever. That was the moment where something that I truly dreamed and truly wanted manifested itself. Um, and on the plane, on the way there, I was just, yeah, I, I just felt a, a new, every decision that I'd made up until that point in my life finally became relevant to me. It was in that moment where I was, I was on the plane, on my way there from a figment of my imagination. I many can, years before i can so, see the your 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 tearing up that and, that uh, that for me mark was huge i know and uh, i can see it mm. and anybody watching this can see it that's pride mm. gary that's you know being you, you validated yourself that these, was, yeah. coming from that awful hellish place that we talked about earlier 
to where you are now well, it proved, uh, or to where you were at that it, moment? It proved to myself, it proved, the biggest thing it proved to me was that no one knows anything. The people in your life who um, are just the people in your life, they don't know. We all have our mental brain, but we all have a sixth sense. And, mm. you know, I, I followed that leap of faith and that, and that sixth sense. Anyway, listen, let's, let's, let's brush right. this up so with, we, with so the fun we, right, of so, the European so tour. So we've gone through the, uh, the validation. Yeah. And now um, we're there. And, and, right. we, and you've landed at the airport. Right. Where was it? Okay. So the first tour and we did. And what happened? <laughs> yeah. So the first tour we did was to uh, Bucharest, Budapest and Stockholm. Three European cities, June, July and August. Yeah. Right. Took, took six or seven people over there. Um, and it was based on going into a new environment and engaging and talking to people during the day. Okay. So <laughs> I set up three days of coaching, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, during the day, we'll go out and we'll meet people, we'll have a chat and we'll just experience what it's like in a different culture. Now, here's what I didn't realize. Um, I planned these three days coaching, right? I was excited by it. Day one, uh, no one turns up. <laughs> I'm like, no one's here. No one turned up for coaching. It's like, okay. It turns out everyone arrived the night before. What's the first thing everyone want to do when they go on holiday? They want to go and party, right? They want to go and have fun. They'd all gone out the night before and got absolutely plastered and not turned up. So I was like, I was a bit annoyed, but I was like, all right, okay, I get it, whatever. So that evening we caught up for food and I was like, look, come on boys. You know, we need, we play, blah, blah. Anyway, I got involved on the second night. (laughs) I was like, all right, let's just do this. So it ended up being, um, ended up just being a few nights out. And actually I didn't end up coaching anyone on that first tour. But here's what I learned. I learned um, that coaching isn't just about sitting down or, or taking people on, on a, on a different experience. Coaching is also about having a community and, this is, this really, I mean, going back to a more serious point here, because mm. I'm, I'm very serious about this, this point. When I had my car accident and when I was, you know, in a bad place, I look for support um, within the dating world because I was struggling for my confidence and I was not being able to talk to people very well. And there wasn't a company offering what I needed. There was no community of people where I, you know, the dating industry can be a bit murky. Um, some of the, some of the, some of the characters involved in it, I'm sure that they're doing it for their right reasons, but it didn't sit well with me. There wasn't this overall moralistic view of, look, let's all do something great together. Not about, you know, getting girls numbers, which, you know, we're not 18 years old. Okay. It's about, being a character that adds value to the world and being around people that can help you to do that. Because if you're that type of character, you don't have to worry about these things. They, they take care of themselves. So I learned um, on, on that tour that actually the sense of community was massive. Um, everyone that went on that first one, they're all very, very close friends now, many, mm. many years later. And that, that kind of inspired me to go down more of the community route. You know, when, when people come to social attraction, they're not just getting, you know, the, the caliber of the course on the day. They're getting a community of people that want them to help, want them to do well. You know, you're getting people that are, that are going to be ringing you up saying, have you done that yet? Mm. Let's go and do the mm. taking them under your wing. Because when you learn something, the next step is to become the teacher. And again, I, I, I get, I educate people and part of what I do, I allow my clients 
to take on other clients as as mini mentors. And the whole thing is just self-fulfilling. But that that community is something I didn't have, Mark. I really didn't have it. Yeah. And I have it now. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's amazing to know that I can ring up any of these people, whether they're my clients now, previous clients, whatever it is, and have support. Yeah. Um, even though I'm the person providing support for them, mm. it works both ways. No, I, I, I'm completely um, taken by what you're saying. I mean, obviously, I, I've had my own life and I understand all that. But this idea of a community, I, I love the fact that, you know, almost as a, 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 a side issue, that you came from a place without any support, okay? Family, friends, whatever you want to say. And the funny thing is that, you know, many years later, Social Attraction created a support network for you, mm. for Gary Gunn, yeah. for Gary Gunn. It was almost, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, if you actually analyze it, yeah. Gary, you know, the community that you've created is a community for each other. And, you know, the team ethic, you know, we, we can talk about sport as you were. But actually, and this is about you, Gary, mm. in a funny way, you no longer ever have to worry about finding support because you've created a community mm. that you can make a phone call to people who are now good friends because mm. they went on that first European tour mm. who shared mm. something unique. Mm. Mm. with you mm. and I know that you're developing that in social mm. attraction aren't yeah, you you're you're very very um adamant yeah, about this community yeah. ethos it's, it's funny actually um because this, this does touch on something that you mentioned earlier about um feelings of loneliness and I I used to struggle with being lonely a lot actually and I I don't know if loneliness is an emotion or not it's probably it links to a different emotion mm. but me being me I, I I bought as many books as I can on feeling lonely um, and I read what people had to say uh, say on the topic and that actually made me feel better just reading what people had to say about it rather than just having a problem and not knowing yeah. anything get some information but I realized that to be creative okay how's there's another way of saying this for me to be the person who I need to be in the world I actually need to spend 70% of my life by myself, which is interesting because most people, if they, they see my content, they meet me and, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm very energetic. They would imagine me to be a social creature. Mm. And yeah, I am. But actually, for me to do what I need to do in the world, most of that's sedentary. Most of that is thinking, writing, reading, being creative, giving myself time to think about the clients I'm working with. That takes time. I don't just, you can't just turn up and hope it goes well. No. You have to think about these things. And part of that loneliness for me, I think was not having enough things to do. Mm. And now, you know, that I'm, I'm looking at my life in a holistic way and I'm doing, m managing multiple things, um, the best I've ever managed them. There's always room for improvement. That loneliness, um, it doesn't ever leave you. But I think it's there to serve me now. Mm. It, it, it's not something I, I shy away from. Um, for example, I launched, the, the other thing about launching that podcast was it helped with feelings of loneliness. Mm. It gave me something else to do. Mm. So I actually took that feeling and used it to better, to better mm. my life. And everyone can do that. You don't have to, you don't have to take these emotions and, and cope like I'm suggesting with reading or writing. You just need to find a way of channeling them mm. into something that's productive either for yourself or for the world. Yeah. It doesn't matter what that is. It's using it, accepting, look, I might feel, I might feel like this for the rest of my life, mm. 
Well, in which case, why don't I use it to do something mm. rather than being a victim? Victim mentality is something I'm delving into in my personal life at the moment. It's not something that I'm, I'm ready to educate other people on. But being a victim in your life um, is something I think we all need to be aware of. Just awareness of, am I playing the victim here? Mm. And I think the answer in many of our lives is, yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would go along with that. Yeah. Um, as, as I say, it's not something either of us can go into no, at this no. moment in time. But, you know, I'm just going to sort of finish up this, this idea of the community. I mean, you know, talking to you, Gary, you know, learning about you. You know, this, this feeling of loneliness, you know, the loneliness now serves you, mm. but you have created a community behind you. Mm. You know, social attraction, it, it also serves you, not mm. just for, on, a, on, a, on a professional basis, but on a personal basis as well. You can be lonely now because actually you've got a support network around you. Mm. And what I love about this, this idea of a community, especially with social attraction, is that as you've discussed and been open about there was a time in your life you had no support network mm. um and the people we think are our support network when yeah. it really comes down to it they're not family mm. friends lovers whatever you want to say whereas the community of social attraction your clients as soon as they come into social attraction they are being gifted yeah. an immediate community that yeah. completely understands them yeah so you almost can share your loneliness. Yeah. Yes, we can be lonely people yeah. and it may be something you can't get out of. But I mean, I'm just putting those words together, Gary, and I want you to think about it. To share your loneliness. Mm. Would, you, would you say that's a fair description of your concept of the community that you've mm. created? I mean, yeah, I know you're a man of words as well. I mean, I, I kind of, the way I, I tend to articulate is more um, using positive language. Yeah. Um, so... Um, for me, the idea of sharing loneliness, I, I probably phrase it, it's, it's semantics, but yeah. I probably phrase it, you know, um, you know, but the, the, cre create, create magic with other, with other people, with yeah. other like-minded people, which you is, know? which is what I'm saying about, yeah. you know, uh, dating confidence, you know, mm. you, you, you're, you're, oh, you're, you're coaching men, um, to, to have more success, um, in dating, mm. uh, females and other women I, to, yeah. a, I, I would argue perhaps yeah. they're a bit lonely. So, so that's why yeah. I'm using that. Yeah, I'm going to share a dream I had with you. Um, so well, many years ago, um, I had a dream. I was um, getting ready for battle and I had my sword. I was on a horse and that no, wasn't a horse. Sorry, it was a different dream, but I had my sword and I was running towards the enemy. Um, and as I, as I got there, I turned around and as I looked around, there was no one there. And that's a dream that I had many years ago when I was starting social attraction it was kind of a metaphorical way of me realizing that I didn't have any support and yeah. anyone in place. Yeah. And that was, that will sit with me as a very profound dream because really what a community does, if you look at it from a, a tribal time, if you're ostracized from a, from a community and you're by yourself on a biological way, you've got to fend for yourself. You've got to get your own food. You've got no support there. So actually on a, on a, on a, evolutionary term just knowing you've got a tribe i used to call the community the social attraction tribe actually i, I rebranded as a community but i like the idea of it, a tribe it was it was a bit too left field for a lot yeah, of my clients yeah. but it really is a tribe it, it's it's like 
you're not by yourself anymore. So when you've got to face all these battles out in the world, mm. you weren't like I were. You weren't turning up there to fight all of these dragons and all these horrendous things yeah. by yourself. Yeah. You know, if I turn around and saw two people, that's two more people than I used to have. Yeah. So for me, I guess in my head, in my imagination, um, I'm gonna be. I, I, I'm gonna turn around at some point in my life and probably see everyone who I've impacted in my life. And I think, I think that's the, that's another important thing actually that I'd like to draw attention to here. I'm a very long-term thinker. I didn't used to be, but I've educated myself to do that. And a very important question to ask yourself is when you are on your deathbed, I want you to think about just think about now the people you've impacted in your life. And if you if you can't think of anyone, that's very telling on where you're currently at in your life. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to tell you any more than that. No. Just ponder that question. No. Okay. Doesn't need to be answered. Okay, moving on. I know because a little dicky bird told me. <laughs> look, you're 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 undertaking a, a a new project, if that's like. Uh new uh, coaching subject. I am, yeah. Uh I don't know how to put this, but you're undertaking the task, and correct me if I'm wrong, of redefining seduction for the modern day. The word seduction. Oh, wow. What a, what a, what a word. Um, obviously, it's connected with an education in dating. It's social attraction. It's Gary Gunn. Um, you know, that's a, that's, that's, that's a challenge, Mm. Gary, talking to Gary Gunn. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's clear that your clients will reap the benefits of this. Mm. But, you know, that's a massive thing to to undertake. Mm. Um, and I'd like to ask you why and, and how's it going? Mm. It's an area that I've been loathed to delve into um, because of the connotations, the existing connotations of, of the word. Um, I feel like I've, I've exhausted... Um, other areas within dating, within communication. And it's an area that I've been off putting, which I'm now ready to attack. And what I mean by attack, I mean, actually, let's look at the fundamentals of what that word actually means. Let's look at where it came from. Let's not look at the connotations today. Let's think about where it originated from. And if you want to originate from a time period, I mean, you could look at the very first seduction when Eve was seduced by the snake who in turn seduced Adam to bite the apple. I mean, for me, that was the very first seduction. Um, and whether we're aware of, aware of it or not, we're all seduced in our everyday life. You know, without seduction, um, there's no, you know, there's no great artwork. There's no great music. Because for me, I'm going to make a distinction between a seduction, which is being seduced, and seductive moments, which is kind of a new thought for me a seductive moment i would define as a moment where you lower your barriers of resistance so say for example you're thinking about buying um a new jacket and it's a thousand pounds bit too much money for me okay then you go into another shop and you see a nicer jacket that's a thousand pounds all of a sudden you've been seduced by that jacket you've lowered your barriers to be able to do it now for me seduction occurs everywhere all the time you can seduce people by the way that you dress you can seduce people in conversation now if you're discussing or speaking to someone who's closed-minded they're kind of like this 
they're kind of like hard. Mm. Like I'm closed minded. It's like I used to be. Like, women are attracted to leaders, mm. right? I was like this. Mm. I'm not gonna. Mm. And it's like you're tense. Yeah. Now when I read Socrates or didn't read him, he, when he, when I read what was written about him, he never mm. actually wrote. What happened was I I was seduced by the thought process of being open minded. And here's what happens when you become seduced, you do that, and you let go mm. and you relax. Mm. So actually, a seduction. You're giving someone something. A seduction isn't this, you, I'm seducing this person. No, a seduction is a gift. Mm. If you can seduce someone in a way which is a gift to them, that for me is a seduction. It's not a manipulation. No. It's not taking something from someone. The term, the pure, because I like the word pure, the pure form of the word seduction, I think, is lowering someone's barriers, which allows them to relax more. You yeah. Can, so you can be seduced by Buddhism. You can be seduced by... Um, Gucci handbags. Absolutely. You can <laughs> see Picasso. Any of these people. For me, the greatest seducers in history are the, the Picassos. You know, look, a modern day example would be a DiCaprio. These aren't people that are, you know, going around looking at seducing people. No, these are people that have created massive value in the world by cultivating their craft. They are cultivating their natural given talent in a way that brings value to the world. That, for me, is a seducer. Okay, very well put. And, uh, you know, again, we've got that word value again. Mm. You know, that, that's, a, that's an interesting well, if, concept. If, yeah, you know? I mean, if, if you look at this from, from my life, you know, I'm, I'm only really delving into the world of seduction now. But, you know... My ability to seduce people now compared to 10 years ago is fundamentally linked to A, how I feel about myself, but B, the value that I put out in the world. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't believe in chasing things anymore in my life. I focus my attention on, this is an interesting point in this actually, because this is, this is a, a very incorrect mindset. Um, if I want to be definitive over one thing in this interview, mm. it will be this. Okay. Um, so... I'll relate it to dating because it's, it's, it's my industry. I have clients say to me, you know, I, I would like to date, you know, this type of girl that she's this, she's this, she's this, she's this. And he starts talking about the girl he would like to date. Um, and how does he get access to this girl? Where would he meet her? Well, how about you put the camera on yourself? How about you turn that camera around? You look in the mirror and you say to yourself, well, hang on a minute. What type of character would that type of lady be attracted to and what's interesting about that is that I've developed my character over these years and as I develop my character things just happen where you know you're in I'm in certain situations because I get invited to certain places and just the manner and the way I am people are attracted to me I'm not just talking about women men anyone anywhere you go I find that people are attracted to my character and actually it's such a different mindset because I'm, again, this is a stoic philosophy. All the time that you're focused outwardly, you're not focusing on yourself. Mm. You know, when I, when I set goals in my life, I, I set goals about what's in my control. I'm, I'm not, you know, you can have a, a business goal of a, of a certain turnover or, or, or this, but that, that's not in your control. What's in my control is to become better at what I do. So can I manage the feeling of overwhelm better? Can I manage more tasks better? Can I add exercise to what I'm currently doing? I'm feeling overwhelmed about that. What's in my control? How do I manage that? I think that there are levels of looking in the mirror. I think most people never look in the mirror. When we do, that's the first step. But as you, as you get better, 
the mirror gets clearer and clearer to reality, but often that's quite difficult to take as well. Nah, to take a cast iron, look at yourself, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them mm. all? The mirror is a metaphorical object that gives you a self-reflection of where you're at, but yeah. often that's warped and most of us can't look at it. No, because... I would imagine that a lot of us don't like looking in the mirror because don't like what we see, which is yeah. where there's people like you, Gary. Well, I, mean, I looked in the mirror. This is the whole point, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good point there, Mark. I think, honestly, I probably did look in the mirror at myself 10 years ago and I didn't like, you didn't what, like I saw. what you saw. No. Yeah, it's a good point, actually. No. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and, 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 you know, there's your, you know, 10 years later, you look in the mirror and you are satisfied. Yes, you can get better, but you've got value. Again, I come back to this word value yeah. that you've, you've spoken yeah. about. Yeah. You have a value to yourself. So, you know, you, you, you look in the mirror yeah. and you see something of value yeah. internally. <laughs> and you know that's where I no, think it, it, that's, and that's a crux of what yeah. you social attraction Gary Gunn is about yeah. that's that's an interesting point as well there Mark because you know that hasn't taken five minutes that's taken years it's taken 10 years yeah, yeah. and and I, I actually in some I'm of our cases it takes 50 years I'm 30 <laughs> I'm 34 years old yeah and I wished I started younger you know, on this on this journey that I'm on, and thing is, shoulda, I mean, woulda, coulda. I know, but, but ultimately, you, you know, know, I was going to say on that. I wished I started sooner, but also I I recognise because this is important aspect of this. I feel like I should have started sooner, but I also realised that I needed the pain in my life to motivate myself to here. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what age you are, because often I have this coach people in their 50s 60s 70s where they say, you know, I'm I'm, I'm too old to change. That's absolutely not mm. true. You, you, that's just fundamentally no. not true well yeah. this is what i like i mean you know you're not asking people to go through the pain that you went through Absolutely to come to not. you no. the thing is you're cutting the pain out yeah you know don't wait for any pain to come to you yeah if you feel these yeah. things there's social attraction there's yeah. a community there's gary gunn yeah i mean that's what it's all yeah. about really. it is i mean you're always going to have to go through i can't live your pain for you oh, no, of course um but i can inspire you to make the decision so that the pain or pain is on your terms yeah because for me all self-development there's a certain amount of pain you've got to go through but as i say if it's on your own terms trust me it's easier don't wait don't wait for something to happen where someone you know gets sick or something happens or you get sick or something goes wrong in your life and you can't cope because there's times in your life where you need to be that person you need to be strength for people and yeah you, you want to be ready for them you know, you can't, yeah, you have to be ready because there's times, you know, Mark, you're, you're a man of experience. There are times where you need to be that rock for people. Yes, and you, you do. And, you, and, for, and for me, it's about preparing so that I can be that support when it's needed. I don't want to be someone that shies away from my responsibilities as a man and in the world when, when I'm called upon. No, very well said, Gary. Right, moving on from seduction, <laughs> you have something else in the pipeline. Yeah. Um, we talked about the education online dating, best-selling yeah. book. You, years later, are starting to think about putting together another book, mm. um, an education in goal setting. Mm. And goal setting is something that has been touched on throughout this interview. Yeah. In fact, you mentioned it a minute ago Yeah. Uh, when we were talking about seduction. Um, again, a mammoth task. Mm writing any book, putting anything together. Mm. Um, what's your philosophy, your concept, your your reasons for this? Mm. So it's interesting, actually. I mean, one of the barriers to me writing a book about goal setting was 
as you've just articulated, it's a massive topic, okay? Uh, but what I realize is that actually, in my experience, most people don't think about their future. So actually, if I was gonna write a book, if someone was to just follow one single piece of advice, it could be life-changing for them. So it's inspired me to put all of my thoughts down together into a, it's, it's more of a workbook than a book. It's more of a, you know, this is a, it's actually working title is the war on goals. And the thinking behind that is that the world's at this stage overpopulated. If you want to change your life and go into a different industry like I did, you're going to come across a hell of a lot of barriers to entry. doesn't matter what you want to do in this world. There's a lot of other people that also want to do the same thing. And if you want to propel yourself to A, doing it for a living or B, making success, there's some things that you're going to have to navigate along the way. So the first thing is making people aware of planning for the future. But the second thing is just using your imagination. You know, goal setting is an amazing thing. It sounds so boring. God, goal setting, actually, it sounds boring and it really does sound boring. It's not. It's the most, I would say, that is probably the best thing that I do in my life is goal setting. And because it's such a imaginative process. Let's just think about this for a second. Goal setting. Oh yeah, sit down, write out. Think about, hmm. Or imagining your life better than what it is today. Imagining all of the things that really aggravate you and annoy you on a daily basis, not being there anymore. Why would you not want to do that? I can't imagine a reason why you would not want to do that. You're taking things that annoy you or how you want to make the world better and you're imagining it. That's goal setting. You know, you don't have to write that down. Obviously, I'm writing a book about it. You, just thinking about it, just thinking about stuff in your imagination will change your life. If you put pen to paper, you're obviously cementing it, but just thinking about it. I find it, I think for the book, I'm, I'm kind of making it about a 12-month period um, because there's so many changes going on in the world. Yeah. There's so much uncertainty in the world at the moment. It's mm. quite difficult to plan past that. Mm. But in a 12-month period, you can think about, you know, how how do you want to perceive the world differently? Um, I'm heavily into being optimistic. I'm an extremely optimistic individual. Um, I'm working on my gratitude. I'm, I'm, I'm very gracious in the way that I conduct my life. I, I don't quite feel deep levels of gratitude as much as what I would like. That's actually one of my goals um, for this year yeah. is to is to increase that feeling of gratitude just because it's it's a wonderful thing. Um, and when you start feeling these things on a day to day basis, the whole your whole world shifts. Yeah. So. That's no, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. The goal setting, obviously, it's it's clear with your intensity that this is a a, a, a very big topic for you. Yeah. And you know, people should be aware of this and and obviously by writing a book you are going to make yeah. them aware but uh, you know the way if i can give you an analogy i mean i suppose you you your goal setting is just you know you're at a train station uh, you don't know where you're going but uh, you know if you get on a train there's going to be some destinations and i would think your goals i mean forgive me I, i'm not an expert on this but you um you know your your goals or if you like the stations that you stop off a, along the way mm. um would you would you say it's a fair analogy to say you know goal setting is no more than just planning a potential journey over the next 12 months yes um i'm very i i think i'm a bit of a unique character in the way that i i set goals it, it, it probably makes me probably makes me who i am as mm, a person of course um i typically don't think about the stops in the destination okay. along the way. Okay. Um, 
an example is I, I, I think the end result of as far as I can think in my imagination. And I hold on to that image while I'm working on what I'm doing. Yeah. So say, for example, I'm um, working on a presentation and it's my intention one day to present to a thousand people. While I'm working on that, I'm imagining myself in front of those thousand people. Yes. I'm not imagining myself in front of a hundred people, which would be that next destination. No, I don't okay, do that. I understand. Um, I, I don't quite know. There's a term I can't, it doesn't quite come to mind at the moment. Um, High speed link. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> from A to yeah, B. Yeah, yeah. Because no, obviously you d those steps for me are, you know, they're important. They allow you to, to know where that you're going in the yeah. right way. Actually, that's a good point. I'll come back to that in one second. So, so for me, I, I'm a big picture, future orientated, no, okay. you know, okay. but, the way that I bring myself back down to reality is I take time um, every week to look at what I've achieved. And I take the time to sit down, um, have a nice coffee, Cortado. <laughs> yeah. But no, I sit down and I take the time. It's important that I take the time to sit down and recognize what I've done this week, what I've achieved. And I, I write down, you know, this is a list of things that I've done. And I allow myself the time to feel good about doing those things because yeah. historically I didn't do that. I would always be too far in the future, which is a problem with long-term thinking. You can mm. be a bit long-term with it. So I bring it back down to the every day, you know, every day or every week, I sit down and I look at what I've done. And and this interview will, will be on that list. No. Um, having someone like yourself interview me is, that that is, it's a, it's a good, as your analogy, a good train station on the journey that I'm on. Um, being able to articulate some of my thoughts, which I've never never spoken before yeah. in this process is, is a big thing for me, Mark. No, yeah. no, I understand that and I can yeah. see it. Which brings us um, to a final question. And okay. it's a very personal one to Gary Gunn, because this okay. is all about Gary Gunn. We, I, I alluded to uh, the journey along goal setting, and you just mentioned the word journey. And this interview with you and I, we've known each other for a few years now, is a destination on your journey. And this is a question from me to you as your friend. What journey are you on, Gary? And where is your final destination? My journey, I will put down to a day-to-day -day thing. Every single day, I learn something new through reading um, and education. That's the one thing I do every day. So education for me, that's the journey, education. It's the branding of my business, branding everything I do. So, so because education is what what pulled me out of the depths of hell. So I, I have to say that the journey I'm on is education. Uh, where's it going? Where's the, where's the end result? I think I asked that, yeah. For me, Mark, I'm, I'm going to answer that in, in a different way. Um, the one thing that's most important to me in my life is that I live by by my values. Um, if I'm many years from now, hopefully many years from now, you know, when my life comes to an end, if I look back on my life and I, I haven't lived up to my own expectations, my life would have been a failure. And I think here's an insight into why I'm so moralistic in the things that I do and why I have such value in what I do. Because I don't want to, I don't want to look back on my life and feel like I failed. And for me, a failure would be 
not doing or not following what I think I should do and not living up to the highest ideal of what I think is possible for me. Um, I hope that answers your question. It does very well. <laughs> and Gary Gunn, I've known you for seven years, but it's been a pleasure to get to know you really. Thank you very much. Thanks for interviewing me, Mark.